Hello and welcome back to How to Go Freelance, a guide for the terrified. Uh, this is episode two of the series and in this episode I'm going to be reflecting back to all the people who gave me advice on my journey to becoming freelance around defining the offer. Now that can mean potentially two things. It means deciding what you're going to do and also how you're going to talk about yourself and how you're going to present it to potentially new clients and to the world. I've been freelance now for eight weeks. Uh, I'm still doing it. I've survived so far. I'm really, really enjoying the way of working. And in true freelance style, I'm actually talking to you today from a cafe in Manchester. Uh, I'm working on site at the moment and uh, I'm about an hour away from my train, which is going to take me home. So I thought I'd sit here and talk to you a little bit and uh, reconnect myself with some of the people that helped me along the way to becoming freelance. A big part of the decision-making process to go freelance is doing those two things. It's about understanding what is it that you do that you do better than anybody else or that you know there's a need for, and importantly, what you can make some money out of, what you can charge for your time on. Um, all of the people that I've spoke to, uh, I've, come about, I've come at that on from a slightly different angle. Um, some of them have decided on a niche really early. Some of them have uh, just kind of started out and seen how they go with it. And um, some of them have done a little bit in between. Some of them have, underst- have had, a, had a clear understanding of what they wanted to do. But as the work has come in, things have shifted, things have changed. Um, I'm going to introduce you back again to all the people that you heard from in, in episode one. And I'm going to start with uh, Kate Vogelsang from Birdsong Consultancy uh, and reflecting back to the conversation we had in Birmingham a couple of months back uh, at Comscan. When I asked Kate about this, um, her experience is quite particular. She was sort of telling me that actually when she started out, it was really quite difficult for her to find a niche and uh, she's been relatively comfortable with that ever since. I still don't know what my offer is and Ben, you and I have talked about this briefly. I've worked in communications for over 20 years. I trained as a well, radio journalist, that's what I wanted to get into, so I've got a degree in media production Um, and over 20 years I've worked across the board in digital, in design, in procurement, in contracts, in commercial, in campaigns, in press. It's great. I've got experience and skills across the board. And I love everything. So how do you then put yourself into a market where you can compete with others and sell a product, a service? I find it really difficult because I think I can do everything <laughs> because I've done everything and I've got experience in everything. I find, it, I find it really hard and I don't want to. And that's the other thing. I think I'm probably not positioning myself because I don't want to. I like doing lots of things so I like coming in being asked to do I've just redeveloped an intranet for a local authority three month project but off the back of that I've done a lot of work on behaviour change and internal comms with them because just doing the intranet on its own is not it's you don't work on a product in isolation you work on the broader picture the bigger picture I find it more interesting so I don't want to really niche myself, but maybe I should. Maybe I'd get more work if I did. When I spoke to Dan Slee, he was telling me about what his thought process was when he started. And uh, his thought process to making a living and making a career out of working for himself started with a very big list. I wrote down a list of about 17 things that I wanted to do. And just the act of writing 17 things down, I realised was was actually a bit silly. I wasn't going to do 17 things. So, so it was kind of like working out the stuff that was going to pay my mortgage, basically. 
uh, and then crossing off the 13. Uh, but other things have cropped up. Uh, like, for example, unconferences. I thought I'd do quite a few of, of those. Haven't really done many. I'm actually, that's unconferences for people. But um, I've ended up doing other things, like uh, the video skills has been, has been quite a, a core part of what I've been doing for the past two or three years. Now, that was really just spotting an opportunity and realising that, um, that, that people needed to do video better and the technology was um, there. And bumping into someone who who was really good at the practical side of things, and 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 just just go away and thinking, actually, this could be this could be a thing. And Dan's experience there isn't actually all that uncommon. You start with one thing, uh, you start with a list of things you want to do. Uh, clients, the marketplace, whatever you want to call it, can sometimes take you in an unexpected direction. Uh, that is not too dissimilar to Dave Thackeray, who you'll remember from last from the last episode. Now, Dave's approach to going freelance and starting out on his own uh, followed something, a quite a similar uh, sort of route to uh, Kate and Dan in that it started very much from understanding his real skill set, understanding what his background is, understanding his training. But actually, Dave took it a little bit of a step further and Dave actually created what potentially is quite an interesting new offer for new clients off the back of that. Dave essentially went from being a writer and a journalist into offering what he described as content strategy, and he does that for some quite large organisations. Here's Dave's experience. I'm a writer by trade. I've always found myself coming back to that, and I don't know whether it's the comfort zone thing, you know, whether there's a little bit of security in what you know. As I've also got a understanding, quite an advanced understanding of digital marketing, I've kind of brought the two together, so I know I can write, I know people want content, content's such a big thing. Again, it's very easy to say content's a big thing, focused, targeted, valuable content is where we're at now. It used to be a question of blog posts, you know, just write a thousand blog posts and eventually they will come. I think now it's very, very, you hear these terms banded around user centricity and focus on the user, human-centered design, content design. So I brought the essence of digital marketing, which is really understanding your user, together with my appreciation of content and writing, into this new world of content strategy. And this is something that I do offer to my clients at various different degrees. So it could be a very small client, it could be a larger client, work with the university right now in Manchester. Understanding really where they're trying to get to and understanding what they need to say to their people, whether it's their internal audience, whether it's their customers. And kind of bringing those two things together. You know, you've got the business goals on one side, you've got the user goals on the other, and right in the middle you've got that content strategy that is almost like your playbook for sustainable success. So already that's a couple of different ways of maybe thinking about it. There's the way of... I just am enthusiastic and I like to do everything and I'll see what comes my way and I'll give everything my best shot. There's the starting with what Dan did with having a big list and... uh, narrowing the list down and then sort of seeing what's out there or there's Dave's approach there which is understanding your real specialism and seeing if you can develop it into a particular niche product another potential way of doing the positioning thing and understanding kind of like how to sort of define yourself and how to define what your offer is is basically just to look around you and to understand the people that you're trying to work with a little bit more and understand what their needs are and seeing if you can develop 
offering a way of working, a positioning that appeals very, very specifically to them. Rich Forshaw-Smith, who you'll remember from episode number one, he was in it very, very briefly. He's in it a little bit more this time. Talked a little bit about that and talked about how just conversations in the pub, conversations with people that he knew, led him to doing a smaller boutique, if you like, marketing agency in a slightly different way. Friends, family or or, or, uh, people locally that I'd meet would ask for support and advice in marketing and sales. And... I would have to do that over a pint and some advice. But, you know, when they wanted to commission something, they really couldn't afford the agency that I was working for or it was the wrong sort of market that the agency wouldn't have done. So, you know, they really do SME marketing. Uh, um, they, you know, it's, so um, that gave me a bit of a clue as to what people were after. The other thing was really that there was a lot of bullshit talked about marketing. And I know a lot of people were very much switched off by it. They were like, there was something fearful about it. They thought of it as advertising, and I don't need advertising because X, Y, and Z. Um, but also, they, they they felt a bit threatened by the language, some of the terminology, and and also some of the style of marketing agencies, the kind of you know pool table in the office stuff, and you know baseball caps and beard, and um, it being a bit too kind of cool and trendy. And it's kind of actually for a lot of businesses that's quite intimidating. So all of those things kind of made me think there's a better way of offering this sort of stuff. It's a professional service. A business wouldn't not have legal advice if it needed legal advice. It wouldn't not have an accountant if it needs an accountant. Um, So when it needs sales and marketing advice, why flounder around and kind of get things wrong or not bother doing it because I don't know how um, or I haven't got the time, you know, you would hire in the capacity or capability when you need it. As a a sort of offer, I've got a team of six of us now that – we, I can call upon to kind of, you know, put the right sort of package together for people that's, that's cost-effective for them. And Rich actually strikes on something at the end of that section there, which is quite interesting, because a big part of what you do as a freelancer is offer yourself. But more and more, clients seem to be looking for a kind of a solution. And as a freelancer, the good thing about being a freelancer is a post that's kind of probably working for an agency. There are a obviously advantages to working for an agency as well is that you can bring other freelancers in as well and you can bring other specialists in as well um darren caveney who you'll also remember from the first podcast and who is one of alongside dan slee is one of the creators of comps 2.0 that's something that he comes across quite a lot uh, and darren here talked a bit about when he sometimes commissioned um he ends up bringing other freelancers other specialists into the mix to help to develop a more rounded package I've been working with an organisation that said could you come in and do a communications review and then help us develop a new communications strategy so I've done that it's been really interesting they actually had no communications team at all so part of my recommendations was to bring in a communications person to build that function up you know and was quite honest and said don't pay me a day rate to do this you need to recruit let's get somebody in I'll help you find someone get somebody in get them trained up get them up and running um, within that then those elements of the job that I can do so I help them with the strategy I've done some in-house training I've kind of helped them with a few tactical bits um, other bits they said our website's hopeless, we need a new website, could you do that? So I can't build a website, that's not my skill set, but I can work out what it is you need. Uh, So you've got a fit for purpose website that does everything that your organisation needs and your customers need. I'll write you the brief and I'll introduce you to a couple of agencies that can deliver it for you. 
So it kind of again, it's like understanding. You know, I know where my skills are and where they're not. But whatever you get to the point of thinking your offer actually is, the key thing is to be able to be confident with it and confidently express it. We'll come on later into how you might do that if you are starting out and you are interested in doing it visually through branding, etc. But a really, really important part of going into freelance and being able to talk about yourself is essentially being really, really confident with what your offer is and what you can offer a particular client. Anybody you know in the industry who knows Bridget Ahern knows exactly what she can bring. She brings a lot of experience. She brings fantastic experience in crisis comms and in public sector strategic communications management, etc. And um, when we spoke, that came through very, very clearly as well. The, the offer that I can take to people is really wholesome, which is I can look inside your organisation and give some really good advice and support on that because I've done internal communications but I've also been in my last permanent role I wasn't solely a communications person I had business support administration front of house customer service I had a lot of other functions in front uh, under me and what I did with those was a lot of change that was integral to some of the workings of the organization so as well as a strong internal communications and change comms offer I've actually got a broader general management offer that I can take to people so um, I think I need to do a bit of work on myself, actually, to just reposition and make sure the strength of that comes through. So you've decided what you're going to offer. You're confident in it. You've decided whether you're going to go down a niche route or you've decided that you're going to just try a little bit of everything or you decided that you're going to have a list and just sort of see what the market demands. You've got a sense of how you're going to deliver stuff. So you might work all on your own or you might bring in others to help you deliver a more rounded package the final piece in the jigsaw for some people and this is absolutely something i took a lot of time over is potentially do you go down the route of branding yourself now that's something that i did and i'm really really pleased that i did that um i my organization is called gray fox communications and marketing and i worked with a designer called plw creative a guy called paul wood who i know really really well to help me develop my my brand identity which i'm really really proud of and very confident in um Rebecca Roberts from Thread and Fable, uh, who you'll also remember from the first episode, uh, talked to me about how she came up with her name and sort of what it means to her and some of the pitfalls that you can go through as a comms person when you're thinking of naming and presenting your new communications business to the world. Oh, God. I mean, I think um, when you first start looking for names for businesses, you go through this kind of comedy situation where you think of a great name and you Google it, ah, oh, damn. And I actually there's like a cycle that every marketing comms person goes through and they're like it's been taken and to be honest by the end I was like I literally don't care I want something that's not going to make me cringe too much in a year's time um and that has some meaning but I'm not going to put too much on like you know I've dealt with quite a lot of big agencies and they do a really big spiel about the story of the agency and, and lots of models and it's all about them and to be honest I don't care when I'm working with an agency I don't care about them that much like I want them to be good, but I don't really want their life story. So I just want them something sensible and um, that I could hang a couple of things on, off, but not bore my clients with. <laughs> so um, yeah, Thread and Fable, because I've always worked over marketing and comms roles, I wanted the, so the thread to be something around like the marketing and everything to have like linked to each other, have a golden thread through things, and Fable is around storytelling. So. Yeah, so the, the aesthetic, I worked with some um, 
designers that have done a lot of like uh, street art, so um, graffiti stuff and quite quirky branding. And then I wanted something a bit retro, I guess. So if you go down the route of branding your consultancy or branding your freelance business, um, it's really important to understand that that is really the final piece in the jigsaw. You need to be able to, however you do it, speak very articulately and very confidently about your offer and what you can bring to potential clients. Um, and sometimes that can be quite a niche thing and sometimes it can be quite a generalist. And the final point of today's episode goes to Bridget who talks about a really, really sort of general but really important point about being a freelancer and about working like this in this day and age. I think the great thing about life in the 21st century is you don't have to fit in a box. And if you pigeonhole yourself, that's very that's where you very quickly become irrelevant. So what have we learned? Well, being able to talk confidently about what you do is really, really important. Being able to articulate whatever your offer is is important. Having a niche sometimes can be good, but it's not essential. As long as you understand the value that you bring and you understand how you're going to articulate it, that's the most important thing. Whatever you choose to do, as Bridget sort of alluded to in the last point there, it is a fantastic way of working if you can get it to work. And that's what we're going to talk about in episode three, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. In that episode, we're going to be talking a lot about the practical things you need in place to be successful, to win work, and to uh, have a happy freelance career. But that's the end of episode two. Thanks so much again for listening in and thanks again to uh, the contributors, uh, Darren, Dan, Dave, Kate, Rebecca, Rich and Bridget. Uh, Thanks a lot to everybody who's provided me some good comments on the first episode. If you'd like to give me a rating or some comments uh, to help me reach more budding freelancers with this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and to leave me a comment in whatever podcast provider years thanks a lot and i'll see you in the next episode